Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Compassion and Courage, Conversations in Healthcare. I am your host, Marcus Engel, and this is the podcast where I teach compassionate communication, provide perspective, and inspire resilience. I want to thank everyone who has, over the last oh, couple of months now that we've been doing the podcast, um, thank you to everyone who has subscribed, who has rated, reviewed, uh, etc., shared. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for helping us get the word out about Compassion and Courage. So today I have, as I often do, the hotness in the studio with me. Hi, babe. Hi, and I still love that you call me that. You the get, hotness? You get yeah. so many points for that. People, you know, think you are so cool for that. Because I, cause I nicknamed my wife? That a, a nice nickname. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I, could, I guess I could have come up with something that wasn't flattering. Uh, yeah, but... that, that would not go over well. So, uh, so talking about this kind of stuff, here's, here's an interesting question that you see sometimes posed on uh, social media. And that is, what actor or actress would you actor? I don't know. Do you use actor or actress? I think actor is the correct term for male or female. ACTX, maybe, these days. I'm not sure. Okay, so uh, <laughs> either way, who would be the actor that would play you in the movie version of your life? Mm. I know who would play you. You Who? Uh, Wonder Woman, but she would have had to have been playing you like years ago. Which Wonder Woman? The current one? Or are you no, talking about Linda the, Carter? Yeah, Linda Carter. Mm, I always love Linda Carter. But the the new one's pretty amazing, too. Yeah, well, I don't go to movies, so I don't know about any of that kind of stuff. <laughs> Not many people go these days. Yeah, I guess that's true. But I know you really have a crush on Sophia Vergara. I can't say her last name. Is that the one from Modern Family? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> we could go on about this all day long. So, so who would play you in the movie version of your life? It's, it's an interesting question, and it's really, uh, it's really a, a thought-provoking question, especially for people who are big uh, film and TV uh, lovers. And I, I must admit that I am not such a big film and TV lover. And people say, well, I guess that's not true. Films get a little hard for me because... I don't know. I guess I just have too much ADHD to sit through a two-hour movie, but um, but I definitely do enjoy Netflix and series and things like that, especially if they have description. So it is the question that comes up though that it's hard for me to answer because, much like Linda Carter, I would pick a, a, an actor or actress who I visually know what they look like to play me. While that isn't necessarily. It's not accurate. I'm, you waiting, know? <laughs> I'm waiting to hear who you would pick to play you. I have no idea because because I don't go to movies. It had to be somebody that would be young, right? Young as in under 25. And I, I don't think I could name you a single <laughs> actor that is under 25 years old right now. Mm. I'm thinking too. Yeah. Well, usually, you know, if they're playing a 20-year-old, they're like 50. <laughs> <laughs> they do all well these be. weird things. So, so while this is a, a, a question that kind of provokes some thought, this is a question that we've actually really put some thought into. It actually um, is. For us. Indeed. So, so people, 
like to hear about the drop, the drop. So, da, 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 da. Da, 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 and the movie that was made about the drop. So, go ahead. Go, well, you know what? You need to back this up a little bit because... And explain what the drop is. We actually made a movie about your life. We did. We did. We did. And we're going back several years now to, what, about 10 or 12 years ago. I was approached by a family member, uh, also known as my sister-in-law, Martha Munezzi. Martha is a gospel recording artist. She has, does she have a Grammy? Um, Nominated for Grammy? She has won Dove Awards. She's won several Dove Awards. Stellar Awards. I don't know. Grammy nominated. Maybe, yeah. So Martha's a big deal in, in that, um, that, that uh, genre of music. And she was approached by someone about entering a short film contest. I had just come into the family, and Martha had read after this my my memoir, and she immediately thought of me and turning my memoir into a movie. Well, it's a short movie, right? The, the film could only be seven minutes long, and so we had to distill it. What is the most interesting or dramatic or um, thought-provoking part of my story? And Martha came back saying it was the drop. The drop. So let me, let me take you back in time a little bit further. Uh, about a year after I lost my sight, I was at the Colorado Center for the Blind, Denver, Colorado, learning how to be an adult living with blindness. And so I was learning how to use uh, computers with a voice output. I was learning how to live independently. I was learning orientation and mobility and how to get around using a long white cane. This is before I ever had a dog, um, before Dasher ever came into my life or any of my subsequent dogs after Dasher. So to graduate from the Colorado Center, there was an activity that was called The Drop. And what happened is a student like myself would become proficient enough at getting around with a long white cane that before graduation, the school had an exercise that you would do. And what happened is they got me into a car and the school secretary drove me around for about an hour. And I don't mean normal driving. I mean, she's, she's doing zigzags and donuts and going fast and slow and uh, reversing a lot and going in and out of parking lots. And after an hour of that kind of madness, they stopped the car and they said, Marcus, this is where we're going to drop you off. We're not going to tell you where you are. We're not going to follow you. We're going to drop you off right here and you have to find your way back to the school. And by the way, you are only allowed to ask one question of one pedestrian along the way. And then they took off and I started walking and kept walking and kept walking. And after a good long while, I finally, finally made it back to the school. I had completed my drop and it gave me a lot of confidence to know that Hey, if I can get dropped off in a, in a city that I've only lived in for a few months, being totally blind, not knowing where I am, and I've developed the skills, I've trained enough that I can actually get around uh, in, a, in a 
scenario that's not exactly real life, right? In, in what real life scenario will you be dropped off in a totally anonymous part of town and you wouldn't have the ability to ask somebody for help if you needed it? So I understand that the reason that that was done was because guess what? You may not always have access to help. You may not have somebody walking down the street. It could be zero degrees out and nobody is out on the streets. So I, I very much understood the concept and it, and it really worked with me to let me know, hey, I can, I can, I can do this. I can do this. So, so tell me a minute. Yeah. Talk. And, and I think we need to do a part two where we talk about the actual filming and what the film process is like. Sure. Because that's, it's really fascinating if you're anything like me and I know a lot of people are. But unpack what the drop was like because I think a lot of people are really curious about that real procedure how scary was it really to be dropped off uh how scary was it really well when they first told me about the drop when they when i first got to colorado and i learned about the drop i was scared to death i had no idea how i was going to be able to do that uh, i grew up in a town of what 200 people in the middle of Missouri. We barely had a single stop sign in the town, much less a stoplight, much less a four-way intersection. So all of my orient, I shouldn't say all, but the vast, vast majority of my orientation and mobility training came from being in Colorado. And the first day that I showed up and they told me I was going to have to do this, I mean, you know, I didn't have to go change my pants immediately, but it scared me. <laughs> it did scare me. Um, how, I have, how I've come to explain it to people is much like the idea of eating an elephant. You do it one bite at a time. Uh, training for orientation and mobi mobility was not much different. So every day you would go out and start out, you know, on a, on a quiet street and you'd learn how to walk around the block. And then you learn how to do a street crossing. And then you learn how to do two street crossings while still keeping your idea of where you are. So I've always been really good at directions, uh, thanks to, number one, my dad, uh, whose nickname is Rand McNally because he can orient pretty <laughs> much everything in the world uh, to a geographical location. And um, second thing, whenever I was a kid, there was a giant map of the world up on the, up on the wall in my basement. My parents invested in this when we were kids. And what a great investment it turned out to be because I didn't realize it at the time, but it was going to help me orientate myself as a blind person and later as a business travel and traveler and later as a world traveler. And that map is still there. That map is still there. On, I'm not sure all of the countries that are on that map <laughs> are still in existence, uh, but the map is still there. So I've always been pretty good at, at directions and orientation, but I had only been blind for less than a year whenever I first got to Colorado. So I thought, I don't know how I am going to be able to do this. I, and, and I, I live with you. I watch you navigate the house. I watch you navigate. You go for a walk most every day up and down streets and stuff uh, by yourself. I watched you uh, take off for school when we lived in New York City down streets with the dog. I'm telling you the truth. If all the lights are off in the house, 
I have a hard time getting to the kitchen. Yeah. It's it's scary. <laughs> it, well, okay. uh, and I don't mean I don't mean like terrorizing where I'm going to stop and cry, but I mean there's some fear going through unknown places in the dark for most people. I, I think as the fact that we are human beings and we are visual creatures, whenever the lights are gone, well, of course it would bring about some feelings of insecurity or, or instability or fear. Um, I think that would just make sense. I'm not saying that I didn't have those feelings of fear and trepidation, but I knew that I was not the first student who had done this, right? The school had been in existence for, I don't know, at least a half a dozen years at that point in time. They had done this with every other student. I knew that if other people could do it, I could too. It just took a lot of training until it could finally be done. So the question that I always get is, well, whenever they dropped you off, what question did you ask of a pedestrian? What was your one question? And people don't really like my answer. <laughs> my answer is, I didn't ask a question. I didn't ask a question. I never had to. Um, because I was able to orient to where they had dropped me off. And a few blocks later, I caught my first bus. And that bus driver, of course, as is required by, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily law, but it was certainly policy with the transportation services at that time. When they pull up, they say what street they're on and what's at the end of that route. And so I immediately knew what street I was on whenever that bus pulled up. I didn't exactly know where I was on that street, but at least I knew what street I was on. And then it just took a lot of memory and memorization to, to learn all the different bus stops and how the, the transportation system is set up in the city of Denver. Um, did the same thing in New York, too. So by the time that I was actually dropped off, I knew I could do it. I knew I could do it. Was there some fear? Certainly. Did I have a little, did I have some moments of panic thinking, oh my gosh, I can't do this? Of course I did. But nonetheless, again, eating an elephant one bite at a time, putting one foot in front of the other, listening to what's in my immediate environment, going off of those sounds and then helping, then turning my body and navigating uh, so that I could continue to ambulate in one direction or another. And ultimately, I figured out that they had dropped me off, um, gosh, well over 10 miles away from where the school was. The, the majority of the time that it took me to get back to the school was spent waiting at bus stops because I was so far away from downtown that the buses didn't run very regularly. And so once I got back to the school, um, there was a small celebration. Uh, several of my fellow students cheered for me. Um, I felt a little sappy, <laughs> because, but I also was proud of myself that I had been able to do it. And so that is the drop. And I, I know that people uh, have a lot of questions about that. And we, we tried to explain that through the film. And so let's come back next week and talk about the process of what it took to take that experience and turn it into a fictionalized version 
of that experience that encapsulates all the emotion, all the fear, all the trepidation, and we'll bring that back on the next episode. What do you say? I say let's do that, and um, in the meantime... They can watch the film. What do you say? In the meantime, if you want to watch the film before you actually uh, hear us talk about making the film, uh, please feel free to go to thedropmovie.com. Thedropmovie.com. You can see it there for free. Uh, it is, of course, called The Drop. Uh, and the screenplay was written by The Hotness. And the executive producer was uh, the Hotness's sister, Martha Munezzi. And we had actors and actresses. And we're going to talk all about that in the next episode. So yeah. thank you all so much for being with us for this episode of Compassion and Courage. I uh, hope you got a little lesson in some ways to be courageous today. I want to thank everyone for joining us. This is the podcast where we teach compassionate communication, provide perspective, and inspire resilience. Thank you all so much for being with us today. Thank you.